Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And uh, this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. You can find us all over the damn place, man, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's iTunes. Just search Metal Sucks Podcast and you will find us, and especially on Mondays at MetalSucks.net. That's where we like to post this sucker. And uh, you can uh, find us. You can dig us up on social media and all that stuff as well. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks and GodlessSpeaks.com. So find us, follow us, tell your friends about it and all that good stuff. This episode, we've got a huge uh, sort of deal. we got Eric Rutan, man. Of course, legendary death metal man who is uh, finally putting out a new Hate Eternal record. I can't. you got to hear this thing. And you got to hear this interview. It's epic. Epic freaking interview. Dude is willing to talk about anything. And it's so, I mean, dude, we went so we had to, we, we had to stop because we could talk, we could, yeah, we could have kept going for like hours. Because, I mean, he's got, yeah. he's been around for so long and done so, I mean, it just embedded and plus just produced so many amazing records and so much. Go, I mean, that, that's just just prolific. I mean, uh, amazing stuff. So we're going to hear a new one from Hate Eternal. We're going to hear the new Clutch in this episode as well. So that's coming up. Uh, Metal Sucks Podcast this week brought to you by Creative Live. Uh, if you want to learn how to record music, check out our friends over at Creative Live who have uh, got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, taught by artists like Between the Bear and Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger. Head over to creativelive.com slash audio to learn more and watch some uh, free previews and get yourself some damn schooling. Did you? I mean, you hear that list of awesome people like Periphery, Converge. And that's just, that's like uh, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, to me, it's like if, they, if those guys were playing a concert, you would go to see them right. play a concert. You would, you would pay money here, to yes, see them play. Yes, and then here they are. Here they are. They're, they're doing something even more awesome. They're going to teach you how to be just as awesome as they are. And it's even cheaper than it is to go see him in concert. You should go. You should do it. It's, and it's not to me, like, it's a no brainer. Yeah, it's, and it's not like just a little drum clinic in the, the in the guitar center somewhere. I mean, this is no. it, it's nice and granular and pretty cool. And you can rewatch it, so you can if you miss something, you can catch it or whatever. That like that's really cool. And you know, it's cool because what, what Creative Live does is like they've got first of all they got a whole bunch of free. Uh, 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 videos that you can watch and and you know they're there they'll be 30 minutes they'll be 10 minutes you just never know there are some courses that are very brief they're just you know a, a few hours worth of material when all things considered but they've also got like these like massive courses where you you know you could spend the next yeah three like the years. immersion thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. freaking great i mean freaking great well then of course on top of that there's also some pretty cool people that blog for them like one of our contributors that we have here on the metal sucks podcast uh, Doc Coyle, who has been uh, been with us in the past to re- reject our sickness, he like, he's a blogger on there as well as VH1, and we invited him back this week because uh, he t- I think he took exception to something a tweet you sent or something like that. Yeah, At, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
we interviewed Dino, uh, Dino from uh, Fear Factories a few weeks ago. One of the things that he was saying that I thought was absolutely spot on and absolutely brilliant that he recognizes is that Mashuga, among a bunch of other bands, but certainly Mashuga, owe their shit to Fear Factory. Like that whole guitar sound and everything is is everything they owe to Fear Factory. In my opinion, and I think this is the tweet that uh, that uh, Doc caught on to, was that basically, uh, you know, people's like love, you know, adoration of Meshuggah is just the hipster way of saying Fear Factory really made a difference in metal. And, <laughs> and, and Doc saw that and totally disagrees. I assume you, st- you still disagree with that, that absolutely correct thing that Dino said. Well, one thing you could definitely say is Fear Factory's influence is monumental. I mean, uh, I think they're, they're one of those bands where it's literally, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I wrote a whole article about the evolution of clean singing and screaming and how Bands blended screaming and singing, and I, I don't think you can give you know any band more credit for that particular thing. The idea of the heavy verse and the clean chorus, you know, and really de- uh, blending that together, you know, with extreme metal and melodies, you know. Um, but the whole staccato, um, low end, chunky uh, palm muting thing that links up with the kick drums. Um, no, I think I think they they were doing that at the same time as Meshuggah. Uh, Meshuggah put a record out called Contradictions Collapse in 1991, um, which sounds markedly different than Destroy, Race, Improve, or or actually the Nun EP, which came out in in 1994, which was actually the the Nun EP was really the first uh, recording uh, that would sound like what we consider, uh, what became the Meshuggah sound. But they were doing things like that on Contradictions Collapsed, uh, which was almost like mathy Metallica, but it had those. And that, you know, when did Soul of the New Machine come out? What, 92? 90. No, no, that's like 90. Listen, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me go to the interweb. <laughs> I sit here. He's like, oh, yeah, it was definitely 90, because that would make me right. One uh, was in February, one was in uh, March. Uh, yeah, no, the, uh, I did the Soul of a New Machine. Um, technically. Right, Soul of a New Machine was 1992, and I know that Meshuggah <laughs> did not have a copy of the Concrete demo. But the thing is, sometimes we have to, and I think I, I was, I really loved when how Dino came back and really clarified and said, no, he wasn't saying that this band ripped us off and that band ripped us off. He was just saying, like, you know, like, Definitely, I mean, I think if you look at, like, that riff in Scapegoat, and then you look at Cold Chamber, you look at Corn, you say, oh, yeah, you could definitely see. But to me, him say that in 2014, Meshuggah made a record, and they ripped off a 25-year-old uh, Fear Factory riff is ludicrous. The dudes oh, in Meshuggah, first of all, the dudes in Meshuggah totally agree with that. don't listen to metal. They don't. These dudes, this dude, we, we, we toured with them in, like, 2000... Uh, Five, these dudes are on their bus smoking all the weed listening to Square Pusher, some crazy electronic music. You don't make music yeah. like the way Meshuggah does. Every time they put a record out, they're always like 10 years ahead of everyone. Right? I listen except to... 10 years ahead of everybody except for Fear Factory. No, because... All right. So... <clears throat> well, Fear Factory... No, no. Because I think... No, because I think... But, but I think what the bands do, going back to... Especially in that era... Um, is dramatically different things. 
You know, like, yeah, I, I think if you want to say yes, uh, Sugar is the kind of thinking man's fear factory, but there's also, they, they you know, Sugar started out melodic. You know, if there's actually on the Nun EP, um, he's he's actually singing on one of the songs. It's kind of like, uh, what's the name of the song? I forget the name of the song, but, um, you know, and they, and they, and his, his vocal almost had like a, uh, almost some similarities like Jonathan Davis where he was screaming but there was a pitch to it and over the and then with each record they just got heavier and heavier whereas you know you know uh Fear Factory was extremely extremely extreme <laughs> when they came out you know and then became more and more groove oriented like it, even Dino was talking about on um yeah uh obsolete not a lot of double bass on that record it's very straightforward a, a gro- groove record you know and they ventured more into that new metal category and obviously since he's gotten back in the band they've gotten faster and heavier almost more kind of like they brought almost more of that like divine heresy type sound totally into uh fear factory i've never understood the whole way that people just assume because Meshuggah songs are overly long and overly tedious and relatively pointless that therefore they're more intelligent than Fear Factory songs, because to me, it's so much more difficult to write an awesome, uh, 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 well-structured song. That, to me, is challenging. Doing what Meshuggah does, uh, not taking anything away from their talent. They're obviously important. They're obviously very talented. But, you know, if you were to ask them to do what Fear Factory does and write a song that's got a hook in three minutes or less, there's no way they could do it. Whereas I think Fear Factory could do Meshuggah all all day and all week. I disagree. I think I, I'd say the um, the type of mentality that goes into a band like Meshuggah is, is, is very similar to like a guy like Devin Townsend. Like I don't remember, know if you remember not too long ago, Devin Townsend was talking about how he linked up with this uh, pop producer in LA they worked on that right and he just said he couldn't you know I guess they they made some music he couldn't conform he couldn't conform to the what what they were trying to do as far as how to make a pop song no they they made it but we he's just not putting it out well yeah it it, it exists out there but what he's saying or like I'll give you another example if you've ever uh, listened to any in-depth interviews with uh, Tom York from uh radiohead yes. mm-hmm. where he he basically talks about you know and that and that's that's one band you could say knows how to write a pop song if they wanted to but became over the years became disinterested with this formulaic uh anti-artistic way of doing things listen i've been in the studio with people that write for like the radio and it's I'm not going to say it's 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 not easy to come up with a great melody and a great hook. That's not what I'm saying. I, I don't because I don't I don't believe that. But there is a formula of like, all right, we just need our chorus, we need our verse, we need our bridge, and we're we're good. That's the song. Yeah. Well, and you even know, and even Dino said that when we talked to him as well was that you know we took the the idea of what it was to write a pop song and applied it to what they were doing, something heavier. And because it, you can do it in any any genre. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's the same sort of pattern. Yeah, but they, I think, especially with manufacturer, they were definitely doing some interesting things with structure, uh, with arrangement, um, and those songs are not the most predictable. Um, you know, um, and, and like I said, anything I'm saying is definitely not a discredit to Fear, Fear Factor. I think, like I said, their influence, like like I said. 
you can see their influence and how oh, you know, yeah. even, even in you know bands like Threat Signal or a band like Nemec, um, you know, uh, and even you know Strap Your Lad, you know, you know Devin Townsend drops Fear Factory. That you know that influence as the, the main influence for Strapping Young Lad. So the, their influence is undeniable, and I would I would never take that away from them. Um, so why I, is it? Do you think that people disregard them so much? I think they're the most underappreciated band as far as in in relation to their contribution to the genre than any other band in this genre. Well, I I think it depends who you're talking to. I think if you're talking to the 35 to 45 age group of you know metalheads kind of regular i'd say like the regular joe metalheads not the elitist people you know i think fear factory does get plenty of props because just go out to their shows i'm sure there's a, you know a ton of people are coming out they're on that tour cold chamber right now i'm sure every show yeah. is packed and people are going crazy and they're buying their t-shirts and it sounds like the new record is really cool um i love the new album it's so, so good so like I haven't heard the whole thing. What I have heard sounds really good. It, it's like it seems like they almost brought a little more of that kind of like obsolete type groove, and it's a little hookier than maybe uh, the last couple of records. So I'm, I'm really so I'm just saying like your question is is it you know where's is the blogosphere weighing in? Are you know are the cool kids and I and I think that's why you kind of dropped the hipster term in there. Um, yeah, because those they, yeah those type of people are going to always give credit to the more extreme band. They're always going to give credit to, to the, 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 you know, the band that has their nose a little more in the air, the band that's, you know, and and that's the thing. I mean, whatever you want to say about fear fact and how great they are can know, like, and I, this is why, like when I did my, uh, top 20 most influential guitar players for VH1, like Dino was like, like right on the cusp. I was trying to think, I basically was between him and, and Ben, Ben from Dillinger for me. And, but and to Dino me, the didn't sugar, make the cut. He should have been top if, five. If you go down, if you go down the list, like I kind of, there's other people that could. It, it was it, that's a whole other you know topic, <laughs> right? Well, I think the way I think the reason people try to disregard that is because of because of the influence that they had was on a genre people wound up really quote unquote despising. Because the most influence that you saw from Fear Factory came into new metal, and new metal got way passe very quickly and once that happened well they influence that then they they have to be lumped into that Meshuggah is the only other band i know maybe with the exception of corn that is responsible for an entire genre of music the entire gent scene basically is based off of the sugar and the, and the most interesting thing about it is it happened like 15 20 years after the band existed mm-hmm um, and their influence has grown and ballooned and just it, you know, I remember when, you know, Meshuggah was first getting, uh, you know, some mainstream recognition, like when they toured the Slayer and that was on Chaosphere and that was a kind of, you know, and I, lo- I loved Chaosphere, but I loved the two records before that I was already. And then they, when they did Ozfest, they were touring for nothing. And I kind of, I, I was not into that new sound but that sound ended up being the thing that you know really propelled them into influencing influencing the next generation of uh musicians and then they did this thing where they put out that obzen record and bleed and basically went you know i don't care what you said say that song is fucking crazy 
it's absolutely fucking like you. I don't care who you are. If you're a musician or not a musician, the first time you heard that, you're just like, what the what? How is this even happening as a <laughs> as a feat of, you know, this is a band that was just did something that was so undeniable 20 years later into their career that they just they went from they're they're playing like 2000 seaters. When we toured with Meshuggah in 2005, we were doing like 500 people a night. That's so how you much don't the band think that Jen owes a, a, a debt of a, a gratitude to Fear Factory too? To to a degree, definitely. But I but I, but I think you're right. I think it definitely like I'll give an example. A band like Devil Driver, you know, there's a lot of you know like Fear Factory influence in that band. Like you'll hear with the with the drumming um, and stuff like that. Uh, so I think there's listen. I think there's tons of Fear Factory influence out there, you know. But it's the way Meshuggah has really infected the world of musicians in every level. Like they're, they're, they've become the extreme version of Tool, you know, where they're just respected. Like people who are not even metalheads know Meshuggah. They're a reference point, you know, um, in the world. Of that, that, that really musician, like, you know, people who go to music school and – the nerds, the really high end people, though your 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 light jazz buddies probably know about Meshuggah. <laughs> you know, and and respect them and, and look at them. It's just a different beast. And it's not to me it's like it's not one or the other. You know, they're just they're both influential in different ways and the career arcs are dramatically different. Um Definitely. you know. So I think I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily fair to uh to rate, you know, I I would rate Meshuggah as, as more influential over time. If you go back to 1991, 92, 94, Fear Factory was definitively the more influential band at that time. You know, I would agree with that. So, but I, but I but I but I do think it's it's more parallel thinking than one band ripping each other off. And and I still think that what they do is very very different. And there's no reason why I can't appreciate both for what they do. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Doc, thank you very much. Love you guys. <laughs> All right, we got to get into our interview with Eric Rutan on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing? It's Chuck Godless from the uh, Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, how you doing, man? Uh, good, dude. Good. Great to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you. Sorry, I missed your so, call there. Oh, no, that's all right. I figured because whenever we call out from, uh, it always shows up like unknown. So I always wind up having to make two or three calls a lot of time. Unless you're Dave Mustaine, in which case we just give up after a while. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is he hard to get on the phone? Sometimes. <laughs> oh, he's we, a busy we, guy, we, man. He's Dave Mustaine, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, we call it whenever we uh, have uh, an interview just fall through the cracks. We call it being yeah, mustained. Yeah. Oh, man, I hear. Mo- I got how many guys we got on the line here? Is this fucking party or what? Uh, oh, you- I curse. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, you, you can cuss just fine. It's a it's a podcast. Oh, I can say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah awesome. you can. That's yeah. good. That's good to know. Yeah, no no edits needed. It's all good, man. <laughs> Eric, how how is your hand doing? And and what happened to it? Man, my hand. I'd say it's a pain in the ass, but it's really a pain in the hand. But uh, it, it's, 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 man, it's been eight weeks and it's still healing. It's, 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 um, I'd say it's about 70% right now, but it's, I injured my left hand, the pinky and my ring finger were the, the culprits of the uh, accident. But it's been frustrating. I've been going through therapy and um, had to regain my 
flexibility. It's still not completely there yet. It's still painful. But uh, I was loading off stage in, um, in Texas, and, man, I just slipped on the stairs, and, you know, I jammed my rack right into my hand because um, my sound guy was in front of me, caught me from busting my head on the on the stairs but unfortunately the rack ran into him and my hand ran into the rack and uh man my whole hand just blew up man it got huge i went to the emergency room and um i really did not expect i mean it hurt like crap it was a bloody mess but you know i I didn't expect it to be two months now and i'm still talking about it but uh you know it's just it's still healing i just started playing guitar like two weeks ago again because I, i literally couldn't even bend my fingers halfway to create a fist so it's been a slow process and doing therapy but uh it's doing better i say it's 70 percent right now so i'm hoping every day it's getting one percent better so i'm hoping in, in, in a month it'll be healed but yeah right it man what a son of a bitch i, I it made me realize i gotta be a little bit more careful i'm not the terminator even though i feel like <laughs> it sometimes. shouldn't well, you have like a, a either like a, a a dude in a tuxedo or like a team of dwarfs who take care of your gear for you at this point you know it's funny we i mean we you know we bring out a sound guy we bring out a merch guy and you know we could bring a stage guy and this and that but you know i i never i never mind loading unloading gear i don't mind driving i don't mind you know i don't know man i, I like i don't ever think about it i'm a I, i'm a, i'm a freaking animal man so I, I don't give a shit i just look at it like militantly load in load out drive i mean i drive every single night on tour man you know i'm I, like i said I'm, a, I'm an animal man i just obviously i'm not terminator because i got injured so you know but uh i, I don't really mind doing that stuff Obviously, um, for almost 10 years in Morbid Angel, I had a guitar tech. I had full stage crew toured in a bus, and, and that was awesome, of course. It was the best, but uh, I don't mind hopping in the van and loading gear and driving. Like I, It just, I got a good work ethic, man. What, what do I know? But after this injury, I definitely realized, man, I, I, I better be more careful what the hell I'm doing. You need an intern. Yeah, right? Something, somebody yeah. does something heavy. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Well, that's true. Maybe yeah, you know. I guess we could uh, we could do contests in every town, like you know, be a be a roadie for a day with Eight Eternal. But oh, I don't yeah, know how dude. that would work See, out. That's man. a great idea. Instead of like yeah. doing the VIP package thing, you know, it's like, come on, be our road crew. I'm not big on the VIP thing because I I don't. I've been meeting people for twenty five, thirty years at the merch table, having a beer, loading out at the back. You know, like I don't. Well, you know, I never myself personally listen to each their own, but I never believed in charging fans extra money just to get an autograph or a photo. I'll take an autograph photo with anybody any day of the week free of charge. Yeah, but but a, charging money for the chance to schlep your gear. There. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> well, that'd be a hell of a deal. Listen, you pay us $25 to load our shit. Wow. What a yeah. deal. <laughs> And you know, here's, here's the problem with That's that, though, cheap. right? The, the, the problem is that I'm sure that they'll load, you know, they'll be there for load in. Everything will go smooth. But as the hours go by and the drinks go down, you know, <laughs> somehow at loadout, when you really need them the most, I got a feeling that they might just disappear. You know what I mean? And, and it's understandable. You're yeah. at a show, you're having a good time. Yeah. But I, I think loading would go fine. I think loadout would be a disaster. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think we'll just. 
we'll just stick to, to how we got things going on. But uh, I guess I just got to be a little bit more careful. Yeah, either that or they'll fuck up their, their, your stuff or something like that. You know, They'll be the one to break their hand, and then you're screwed. No. Better to break my own than theirs, you know. Next thing no. you know, you got a you know a lawsuit or something. But uh, you know, I, I guess we do have people that offer help all the time, though, which is really appreciated. Yeah. Like people, people just come out of the woodworks to to help uh, constantly. So that that's always nice. Unfortunately, that night, man, I just I'm always just trying to be the you know the absolute professional man. Like I mean, Glenn um, from DSI was telling me like, hey man, you got to yeah, slow down up there, man. I was like, I'm just trying to get off for them to get on on time because I always, I'm a pretty, uh, man, I'm, I don't want to say by the book, but I mean, I just like to do things professionally. And when I'm, my time's done, I want to get the hell off stage on time. I mean, it doesn't matter when you go on, it's when you get off. You got to get off on time. You got to let the guys, the aside's headlining. I wanted to make sure they had the proper time. And I was just running around like an animal. And unfortunately, the, the animal fell. So what can I do? Well, you're a studio guy, man. I mean, that's what you, you got to keep that sort of schedule, right? I mean, it's like, bam, bam, bam. It's like, it's all part of the, part of the deal. It is. I think a lot of people, um, man, there's just rules to touring. You know, a lot of people shriek the rules or they don't know the rules for, um, because of ignorance, I guess. But, you know, to me, man, I've been touring for 25 years. So I know all the rules. I know the rules as the opener. I know the rules as the local opener. I know the rules as the headliner and everything in between. So I just try to do things the right way on tour um, and and perpetuate that right way amongst anyone else that's out there. And getting your shit off stage so the headliner can get on is certainly uh, important, you know, and not busting up your hand is important too. So <laughs> True. Well, well that and, and you're playing with, with Glenn, and, you know, that's one guy that you got to make sure you follow the rules mm-hmm. with, you know? You know, man, Glenn, let me tell you, like, I've, I've toured with Deicide, I don't know how many times, five, six times. I've toured with him with Morbid Angel, toured with him with Hate Eternal, shared tour buses. You know, uh, you know, Glenn, he's a great guy, man. I've always got along with him well. I've always had great tours with Deicide. Uh, I kind of think he... He gets a bad rap for, for, for a lot of things that aren't warranted. And, uh, I mean, I've never had problems with him at all. I've always got along with him great, and i got a tremendous amount of respect for him, and I love the aside. So it was really more just me, my inner clock of, like, i got to hurry, i got to hurry. and Or it's, it's kind of the equivalent of, like, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough, I'm not working hard enough, and, and then other people say, what are you, you know, out of your mind? I mean, all you do is work constantly, so... Uh, it's just my inner clock of yeah. like I gotta be, I gotta get, I gotta be better. I gotta move faster. I gotta work harder. It's just like you know, it's my internal clock. It never stops, man. Uh, what can I say? Well, we got to, we we got to talk to you know Glenn like after all that broken hope bullshit went down, and uh, and he's he, you're right. He's such a nice guy. You scared scare the shit out of us though. I mean, it's still when he's standing over the top of you with the upside down cross and like look get off the stage. I I can see it still being a little intimidating though. But he's first of he's all, a big he's, dude. You know, he's he's always been to me like one of the best frontmans in death metal. You yeah. know, his vocals are killer. Deicide is an awesome band, and uh, I've always enjoyed. I would tour with Deicide any day of the week, man. Any any country, any place. You know, I love touring with Deicide, and then. And Glenn's a great guy, man. I really enjoy all those guys. 
What kind of went down on that Metal Alliance tour? It seemed from the outside that we, I mean, it just seemed like everything seemed to be from the before it even began, things were sort of off. Yeah, I don't know what happened with the whole deal. Um, it definitely had its uh, fair share of issues, as you know. But, uh, you know, I, I I don't even have an answer for it. I, it's like an anomaly or something. I, 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 don't, I don't even know what the explanation is. But I did have a great time while it lasted uh, and until I had to, you know, end the last week early due to my stupid hand injury. But, uh, but I did have a great time. It was great to get out there and do shows uh, with DSI, and I enjoyed Entombed and all the other bands. And I guess everything in life is in uh, peaches and cream, you know? Uh, I saw the tour in Austin, and it was right before there was the show. I guess it was, that was the show that you had to cancel right after you hurt yourself, right? Yeah. That Well, when Austin came... Um, we canceled that show, but we were still hanging in Texas. I was really hoping that my hand would, I don't know. I, I guess Put some I was, ice on it and rub some dirt on it and get back out there. Kind of thing. I mean, that, that was my thought process because I'm just I, thinking of canceling anything to me. is just like, you know, it's not even an answer, but as two days went by and my hand was not doing anything, I couldn't even bend my fingers. Well, obviously I realized this was not going to be a walk in the park and, there was five shows left and you know, I came, I, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to play unfortunately after two days. Some, somehow I just thought that it was going to heal up and be fine in a short period. But, um, going on two months now and still not fully recovered. Obviously I was, I miscalculated, yeah. but, uh, I just hated to can't, you know, yeah. I don't like to let people down, man. I don't want to let the fans down. I don't want to let the other bands down. Or, or or myself, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah, I hold myself to the highest of standards above anything or anyone. So, you know, to cancel shows is always just, uh, it's a, you know, I came home and I sat there for a week on my couch, just totally not in the best of spirits, you know, like, and then, and then when the week went by and I was supposed to be home, then I felt like, okay, now I can get out of my, my funk and, and, you know, try to get some positive healing thoughts going on here but uh yeah it sucked but you know i look forward to getting back on the road and and uh you know play austin of course man it's a great place to play and we missed new york and we missed a bunch of shows it wasn't great but we'll be out there again well you got one hell of a record to tour on man this new album is badass dude i was uh talking to somebody i was like okay so if you want to like get schooled in what death metal should be (laughs) this new hate eternal record is is a great, great fucking example of it. Uh, thank you, man. We worked hard, very hard on this record. You know, first of all, we needed to find a new drummer. You know, Jade had left after six and a half years, and it took us a long time to find uh, the right drummer to to play on the record and be a part of it. And um, me and JJ really utilized that time to to hone in on the songs. And um, I mean, we had started a ton of songs, but we really just honed in and crafted these 10 songs knowing that it was a really, I, I felt like a great balanced album from Hate Eternal of, of where I wanted Hate Eternal to, um, to be in 2015. You know, it kind of reflects our past, our present and, and, uh, and into the future, I think. And, uh, I'm really, I'm really pleased from a production aspect, from a songwriting aspect to the performances, to the tones. I am, I'm never 100% satisfied with anything, but I'm pretty damn pleased with the new record, and uh, 
I'm glad to know people have seemed to be really excited about it. And, and that, that just, uh, you know, that, that just is like icing on the cake, man. Uh, but being, I'm my worst critic. It's like, you know, so when people, right. if people, um, one thing I've had to learn over the years is gaining a hard shell, you know, because, you know, as you know, man, I mean, uh, you know, if, yeah. you, if you, if you spend your time reading in forums and reading comments, man, you better, you better have some serious self-esteem, man, because you're going to, it's going to be torn down 10 notches if, if, if you don't, but, uh, I've just got a hard shell. So, I kind of expect, I, I always expect the worst, hope for the best. And some people say, man, that's pessimistic. And I, and, and I say, well, it's more realistic. I'm not an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. So I know that I expect people to not like what I do. I expect people to hate my guts for no fucking reason. It, 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 it's okay. <laughs> I'm totally okay with it. Uh, the, the one thing I do know is that, like, when the furnace, when I when it was finaled and mastered and done, and I had to proof it the last time, and I had to proof it many times because we did vinyl, and we did a high resolution version, we did uh, M fits for iTunes, we did all these different mastered versions. When I finally listened to it, I knew I was like, man, we delivered the best we could at this time with everything we did. Um, can it be better? Everything can always be better, but I knew we delivered the goods. So that certainly, that confidence really helps going into it. So when we start releasing songs, all I can think to myself is like, man, I think this, I think this record came out fantastic. I hope everybody else agrees. And uh, when we started releasing songs and seeing people's feedback, man, I was just blown away by how positive the feedback was. And obviously it just makes everything that you worked on just, just that much sweeter, you know? Yeah. Well, and with the trends, with the trends that are going on in death metal right now, you know, you have a certain expectation, and this just basically uh, said "fuck all those trends," and, and and is just relentless. And I, uh, that's that's sort of what made it stick in my head is that it is just from start to finish. Because I had heard, uh, I guess the what was it, the Stygian Deep is. Uh, uh-huh. I'd heard that song by itself, and then I finally got a hold of the record. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> this is just oh, it thanks, doesn't man. stop. People, uh, I've had people ask me like, "Man, do you?" Uh, do you worry about certain things or, or man, people, people are very critical of everything you do. And I've had that question before. And I was like, you know, as I, man, I look at it as a compliment that people hold everything, whether it's me producing or whether it's hate eternal, they hold everything in a high regard. And, and it, I look at that as a respect thing. And then, uh, you know, once I was able to realize like people have such high expectations of everything i do it's it's because of, of the respect level and, and that means a lot to me obviously and that i do everything i can to i never want to let anybody down man. i never want to let myself down i mean i i spend a lot of time to to um craft the songs and and work together with jj and chasen and uh everything i do if you ask any band that's come in with me as a producer i'm sure they tell you the same thing that um, there's never going to be a time where I'm not working my ass off to make the best possible thing I can. Um, and um, I know there's a, there's a lot of, some, sometimes I, I always say, wow, man, these, you know, a lot of people have really high expectations um, and I have high expectations of myself. So it works out that way. And I'm just glad when I can release a record like, like in furnace where the majority of everyone has been so so excited about it. it just it's just like wow man it just makes 
it just makes it that much better to me. It's just like the bonus, man. It's like, you know, no matter what happens from the release next week, it's like I already, I feel so um, just pleased with with the response so far. And, um, and all of us in the band obviously feel very, very pleased with the result. That communication that sort of happens with, um, you know, between fans and, and the band, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, but it's so unique in the history of music and entertainment that people have such an influence on, on, on the artists that they appreciate and, and so much access. I, you know, at the root of everything, it's like, man, I'm a fan of death metal, man. I'm a fan of, of Slayer and fucking, you know, and, and all the other bands that like a lot of people listen to, you know, I, I grew up listening to metal and then into thrash and then into death metal, you know? So it's like, you know, uh, I, I guess I've never, I've never looked at myself on a pedestal. I'm not better than anybody. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm no different than, than anyone else, man. You know, it's like, uh, I just happened to somehow make two careers in a, in an industry that it's so goddamn hard to, to make, to be successful and, you know, to be able to succeed as a musician, and also succeed as a producer. I mean, it's, it's been a tremendous amount of work, but man, I also know that, you know, the fans, I don't, you know, it's, it's hard for me to even call people fans. I just feel like, man, they're, they're the listeners of my music or, or the, the people that appreciate, you know, the work that I, that I do, you know, it just, it just means so much to me to have that kind of loyalty from people, people that have followed my career for, for decades. And, and I always, want to give back to them. And, and that's why, man, to me, every show I'm usually out there meeting people. If anyone wants to meet me, man, I'm always a, a accessible and have some great conversations. I've made a lot of friends over the years of touring um, in, in all kinds of countries. And uh, I, I mean, to me, I, I really, I appreciate the people so much because it, it, it's because of them that, that I'm here. I mean, I wouldn't be touring. I wouldn't be doing records if nobody gave a shit. I could be the best guitar player or producer in the world, but if I'm if I'm just playing to myself and producing my own shit that nobody hears and nobody supports, then then what is you know, what is it what does it all mean at the end of the day? So, you know, to me I, I think that correlation is so important. Um nowadays with so with social media and stuff, it's obviously it's it's a different world of criticism and stuff from other people. Um, but I also realize, you know, a, a lot of the criticism or stuff that comes is is people that aren't even fans. They didn't have a uh, they didn't have a vessel to ex- explain these things. And you know, people have, you know, some people are, I guess, internet tough guys. Man, you know, they they go online, and they talk. You know, back in my day, twenty twenty five years ago, when I first started, and there was no internet. You know, people didn't really talk that ton of shit because you know. Um, Yeah, they did. It was outside by the bus and they'd get their ass handed to them. (laughs) Hey, I I grew up in Jersey, man. So, you know, I mean, repercussions uh, certainly were associated with your actions where now, you know, there are no repercussions for for uh, online um, assaults. So, you know, but but that's okay, man. You know, like I I actually find a man. I I I personally find some of the stuff online. Sometimes I read stuff. I just think it's humorous as fuck. And even at my own expense. So like, I, I, I just, I have a good sense of humor about things, man. I don't, I take what I do very seriously, but I don't take what I do 
too seriously. If there are, yeah. or or if that makes sense, you know yeah. what I mean. Like you can't. What what you know? If I if I got butt hurt by every negative comment made about me, oh man, I would have never lasted this long. So you know, I <laughs> I I do find it um, hilarious sometimes. Some of the things I read online, I just think are are freaking hilarious. Yeah, you can never leave the house. You'd be I'm not. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, you gotta yeah, you, you gotta have a thick skin. You know. We got re- you. Recently, we recently spoke with uh, Mirker, the black metal uh, 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 one female uh, uh, performer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her stuff, but no, she's she was talking about how she gets notes that I guess no male musician could probably ever get because it's stuff like oh i looked at every single frame of your video and, and you're a stupid whore and oh yeah and where it's so it's like i think that like you know for a lot of people it's like ah, f- you know fuck them but then there's stuff where uh it's scary <laughs> that is that and, is scary i've had a few uh, no, I, God, I, don't, I don't think i've had anything like that but you know once in a while i i've had some I guess some freaky shit happened, but uh, I guess you, you know, I guess that's what comes with it, right? You got this interaction with people. There's always going to be some kind of freaks, I guess that pop out of the woodworks, but um, you know, also because of social media, man, I've had some really inspiring moments of, of people sending messages about, you know, how this song inspired me to do this or, I've had people contact, I had someone contact me that one of the songs I wrote for my old bass player that passed away, Jared Anderson, uh, they played for, he played for his best friend at his funeral. And, and, uh, you know, I thought, wow, you know, sometimes you get these um, people that you meet and they, or they tell you these things online, or uh, I've met, a, you know, a drug addict that decided to quit drugs because he had sent me a message on Facebook and I just, took the time to send a message back, you know, to give him some positive reinforcement, you know, to, to, to get his act together. And, you know, it, it, that's where these things, I've, I've met people in the military that listened to a certain song that inspired them to get through being overseas, stuff like that, man. I mean, like, how do you put a, you can't put a price tag on that kind of stuff either, man. It's it just, that yeah, is yeah, but- amazing stuff. Tell us more about the freaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, man, I don't even want to get into it because I'm, I'm, I'm worried I might have some backlash, man. And the next thing you know, they're going to track me down. And uh, hey, listen, you never know, man. But You're shutting down the Twitter account and then having a, oh, damn it, not again. <laughs> well, you know, the good thing is, is I live in Florida. Um, and, and Florida is a state that, uh, you know, they're stand your ground, stand your ground law, very gun friendly, unlike my my home state of New Jersey. Um, but so, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're packing is what you're saying. OK, hey, right. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying like, hey, if if, if when I moved to Florida, yeah. man, one of the first things I ever did was go to a gun show. And I was just in awe. I, I, I was very <laughs> amazed coming from New Jersey. We're like, man, even to get a. A rifle yeah. for for hunting is is difficult. You know, you go to Florida, and I'm looking at Tech Nines. Uh, you know, it was it was definitely a a, a change of pace. But um, I, yeah, I think it's appropriate go. at this point that you tell everybody that your trigger finger is on your right hand and not your left. <laughs> <correct>? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, well, well, actually, my trigger finger on my left hand's working just fine. That that, that one didn't get injured, so I and I am pretty ambidextrous. So you know, hey, take my right hand out. I'm still packing with the left. So you know, what can I say? So I mean, are are you a big gun guy? I mean, do you do, do you do you shoot a bunch or? Uh, you know, man, I don't have time to do much uh, besides produce and play music and yeah. and hang out with my wife. And I mean, I, I work so much, you know, that uh, I don't get to go to the gun range but i do i do like guns yeah i i certainly have a few as well my wife shoots guns also so um man nothing says love more than a wife that buys you a 45 and in return i buy a nice <laughs> nine millimeter for merry christmas honey you know that that's that's true love right there exactly that's because uh, <laughs> you know what i trust you not to shoot me in the face uh, <laughs> well, well, okay so either either or right so uh which on which person that you meet up with would you rather have your gun for protection uh would you rather have it for uh one of the trolls on on your on facebook or something some social network or pete sandoval Oh man! Well, Pete is one of the most harmless guys on the planet. He's he's an awesome dude. He's one of my best friends. So I, I he, he doesn't not, scare you at all. Nah, nah, he don't <laughs> scare me, man. He's 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 uh he's a great guy, man. He's he's one of the nicest guys on the planet. So he's uh, he's like family to me. So I'm not worried about. And honestly, the internet uh, trolls, which I'm not even sure I know the terminology of what a troll is, unless we're talking like you know. Uh, some hobbit type shit or something but um but but i'm not worried about that either man I, does, does pete honestly, get upset when you send him a christmas card and it doesn't have a religious like uh connotation to it <laughs> well first of all i don't send christmas cards so i guess you know but uh i i just saw pete recently man so you know he's he's on his own uh page for sure these days but you know he's <laughs> man he's harmless and he's a He's an amazing person, so you know I don't have any problems with Pete at all. If anything, does I was, he still play, or is he just doing striper covers, or what? Nah, man, I I don't think he's uh, doing what is was what that hell with the devil. I don't think he's doing any yeah. striper <laughs> covers, but uh, you know he's 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 doing terrorizer. He's doing I, I, he's when I saw him, he's doing great. He's still playing drums, and you know, man. To each their own. He's still the same guy. He's just, uh, you know, gone on a different path. But he's still. I would just. I would kill to see video of him in his mega church doing a blast beat. You know, like <laughs> with the the Sunday band. You know. Well, that'd be impressive. Yeah, I, I, I would. I would actually like to see that myself. But yeah. he, he would. He would tear that place apart for sure, man. He's. <laughs> he's still. People forget Pete Sandoval, man. The king of the blast, man. That the, the fucking the, to me, Pete. It, it, you cannot understate how important Pete Sandoval is to the art of death metal drumming. So, you well, know, there's that I great story me. about how he had never done double bass drum like two weeks before they recorded Alters of Madness, which is like freaking crazy to imagine. You know, it was. It was. I think it was more like six months, but you know, still, uh, part of that is is true. Uh, I. Obviously, you can imagine I played in the band with Pete and Trey and David and Steve you know, for years, so I have a lot of stories, of course. But uh, that story is true. I think six months before Alters, he didn't play double bass. Terrorizer didn't have any double bass stuff. Um, so he did learn. And I remember Trey would tell me stories that you know Pete would be practicing in the basement that they had. 
at the house that they all lived in. And uh, some, like one time he would come down there and Pete would like just be passed down on the floor, you know, because he would just play and play. I mean, when I first came down to play with Morbid Angel, I remember, you know, Florida, hot as shit. And uh, they, we practiced in the Ustore facility, uh, which uh, anyone that's down from the Tampa area would know that place because everybody practiced there at some point. And uh, I remember walking in, you know, and hot as shit, you know, it's like, it's like May or June. And it's like probably 120 degrees in there and no air conditioner, nothing. And that, you know, I remember asking Pete, I was like, man, don't you get hot in here? It's like, fuck that, you know, that, that shit. Air conditioner for fucking pussies, man. I don't need that shit. And, and, you know, I remember he would just be like, he would just practice. We would practice for hours and hours and hours, man. And he would just sweat his ass off. And, and, and he would just, you'd look like he just took a swim in a, in a sweat pool. And, and he'd totally be fine because he was just, he was just, just a, just a badass period he man that dude is is don't mess with pete sandoval man <laughs> don't mess so, with so him. can so can you address the rumor that you've rejoined morbid angel wow that's that's new news to me but uh i i haven't rejoined morbid but um i do love morbid angel man i um, i i admit i always tell people that if i could clone myself I'd still be there because I do love the band. I always have, always will. Um, and certainly, I never, I never say no to anything, man. I mean, I would never close the door on Morbid Angel. Man, I'd never close the door on Ripping Course, man. I mean, I'd never close the door on anything that I've, I've musically been a part of because I'm proud of everything I've done. And um, But right now, man, between releasing Infernus next week and touring Hate Eternal and um, producing, obviously I've got a pretty full plate, but I never say never, never say never to anything, man. It seems like the timing might work out pretty well. Well, I mean, I mean probably a few months away, right? Uh, yeah, I would, I would think so. I mean, I, I've been producing, uh, Steve Tucker's band Warfather as of, as of the last few weeks, I'm mixing it right now, actually. So I do talk to Steve a lot. Um, been working with him and I talk to Trey a lot. I mean, Trey lives not far from me and we keep in touch. I like to keep in touch with um, everybody, you know, I played in the band with. I think it's important. Yeah, especially if he wants to receive the check from him. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, first of all, the fact that you receive any checks in music is, is, a, is, is, a, is, a, yeah, is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I was sitting here the other day thinking, like, wow, I've been doing music between producing and and playing guitar, I mean, I've been doing it for a living for a long, long time. And then, man, to me, that that's just a like a miracle in, 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 in this day and age of, of the music industry and where things are at. It's so hard to make it. But I'm a multitasker, man. You know, I, I do multiple things. Or maybe some of you say I'm ADD, <laughs> OCD. <laughs> I mean, just add a D to it. I got it all. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, is if you want to make it in music, uh, you just got to go forward and never look back and just work your ass off. And uh, I feel very grateful that I've been able to make a living doing this for a long time. And, uh, I, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder for bands, I think, especially newer bands with the way that things are and album budgets and, and album sales declining and then everyone's touring you know, now to make money and, you know, there's just like a million 
tours, a million shows, you know, uh, every week. And it's getting tough out there for sure. You got to be real creative and you got to work hard in order to make it. And just know that if you get into music, it all could, you better have the passion and the love for music. If you're, if you're getting into music thinking you're going to make a ton of money, boy, you're, you're sorely mistaken. Yeah, right. Well, and, you, and you've got, uh, you basically got three records that are coming out that you've touched this, this month alone, right? What, Chrissy hey, what and, month? Yeah, right? It's what, Chrissy and Blackfast and then the Hate Eternal, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but what I was uh, thinking about when I was looking at that, going, so you got Chrissy and who's been around for a while, Hate Eternal, obviously, for a while, and then Blackfast, fairly new. I was like, which which is your preference? What Do you like working with the new newer bands, or do you like trying to breathe new life into the older stuff as far as producing and recording, or is it just a little bit of everything? You know, it's, it's funny because there's, there's um, pluses and minuses to all of it, you know, it's like, uh, but it's really mostly just pluses working, working with newer bands, younger bands, I feel is rewarding in the sense of like a lot of the guys that come in, they're like sponges, man, you know, and they yeah. just have like, they just want to soak in every bit of information they can and learn or they wouldn't be here. You know, I think the, my reputation is kind of out there and then you know, people have perpetuated that reputation as being a trill sergeant and being hard in the studio. Um, and that's because I expect the best from people I work with. I, I don't give a shit if it's your first record or your 10th record, I'm going to do everything I can to get the best out of you, to get the best performances and the best everything. Um, and, and that's how I look at everything. And with younger bands, a lot of times they, they look, they really look forward to that experience to learn. Um, so like working with Blackfest, for instance, you know, younger guys, but uh, man, it was incredible to work with them. They were really talented musicians and they, they, the, the key to working on a record together is the chemistry. You know, it's like, if you don't have that chemistry in there and you're not on the same page and open-minded to everything, you're, you're limiting yourself. And the most important thing I think in the studio is chemistry between the producer and the, and the band and, and every, everything being laid on the table. Um, now when you get the chance to work with a band like Chris, who I've worked before with, I've known him for almost 20 years or say cannibal corpse or goat whore, mm-hmm. uh, goat whore. I did five records, uh, you know, cannibal corpse. I did three records. I mean, um, or four records we go to, excuse me. And, uh, you know, you, you work with bands over and over again, the vets, well, everything really is on the table because there's no holds barred, man. You know, it's like, you know, they've, they've been doing it for a long time. So have you, and, and it, the more records you do with somebody, the more you're able to really, um, push the limits because you don't have to worry about anything. Like, if somebody thinks the guitar sound sucks, they're going to tell you, and I'm going to say, all right, next. I don't sit there and cry about it. You just move on and keep working to get the best results. So there's there's pluses with working with the vets, obviously, because they've been doing it. There's also pluses with the young guys because they haven't been doing it, and they want to learn. And, and my, I always felt like part of my job is teaching people everything I can. everything, Every bit of knowledge I have, I want, I want to teach to anyone. Anyone that wants to know, I'm more than welcome to teach them. If they don't want to know and they don't want to learn, well, the, the the minute you sit there and think you know everything is the minute that you stop progressing, you know, as a human yeah. being. So uh, I never, I always know I can, you know, I still have the best in me. I, I, I have much better to do and I want to keep working harder to get better at everything I do. And, uh, and, and there's so much more to learn. Uh, if, if you don't have that mentality, 
then you're just limiting your your productivity as as well as the results. I was going to say, do you take it personally when a band that you've done albums with then goes with a different producer for their next album? Um, you know, it's I wouldn't say personally would be the word because there's a lot of great producers out there. You know, there's a lot of great engineers that do fantastic jobs. I think that I look at it in the way of like, you know what? I like Starbucks, you know, uh, I, man, I like other coffee. I like caribou coffee. I like, uh, Seattle's best. I like, I even like Dunkin' Donuts, man. They're four different brands. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that because I drink, you know, Dunkin' Donuts one day that all of a sudden I think Starbucks sucks or, or that, you know, it's, it's, I know it's a weird analogy, but to, to you, sometimes you say, wow, I'm surprised that they're not coming back or, or, um, but a lot of times when, you know, I have a lot of, you know, my communication with every band I work with is, is always very open. So when bands decide to go somewhere else, it's usually there's, there's always a reason behind it. And the reasons are, are logical. You know, sometimes people want to change. They want to, they want a different approach. I do things very differently than, than I think uh, most in metal for sure. Uh, it's like, you know, and some people want to change a pace. They want a more modern sound or they want, they don't want to leave their, where they live to come to Florida and things like that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's always understandable. Do you ever listen to like that next album by that other producer with like a notebook? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, God, do you yeah. ever just like pick it apart? <laughs> it's like, yeah. going? and then just send a little brief email. Hey guys, that drum tone, that, dr- <laughs> that drum sound was awful. Yeah. Not like, saying what nothing. the fuck happened there? I know that's fake as shit. No, no, I don't do that, man. But, uh, I, I, I do. I mean, the thing is, 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 man, the way I do things is, is, is unique, man. I try to make every record sound unique. I try to get the best out of people. I don't let, I don't let studio magic dictate how that record comes out. Cause that's, that's pussy shit. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for, you know, uh, I don't, I just meet me personally. I'll speak for myself. I, I just like to make musicians I like to get the best out of them and, and I use pro tools that I use whatever, but, but still I try to treat pro tools almost similar to how I, I would record the tape back in the day is that I really try to capture the magic from the musicians themselves. And I think at the end of the day, the musician is going to feel a hell of a lot better about themselves rather than me punching note by note or quantizing the drums to sound like a drum machine. Oh, what's the point? I'll just fucking use superior drummer put some samples on there and save everybody a bunch of time. Drummer can go to the beach and have a beer. So I, I, I got to think that for me, and this is me speaking, obviously I'm probably in the minority here, but um, that minority has also made me a career. And, and that's because people that come here, they want a unique sound. They want to get worked hard. They don't want to take the easy route. Um, yeah. You know, they want to, if, if at the end of the day, I know I got the best out of everybody and they gave their best, and that's what, that's what, to me, that goes so far in how, you know, um, I mean, how you feel about your record, how you feel about everything. And uh, the best records in, in my lifetime and prior to my lifetime were made that way with passion and, and hard work and ethic and, and not taking the easy way out. And I've never taken the easy way out in anything. So, but when it comes to, I respect other producers and I respect a lot of modern records as well um i just choose to do things a little bit differently and and when bands uh but i don't i don't ever i've never done anything like that you're like i don't criticize um i'm just not a guy to criticize 
other people's hard work, man, because I know that people do things differently. And uh, does that mean I want to do things the same way? No, but uh, I certainly respect um, everybody's um, differences in how they do things, you know? Is there ever been like a band that got away that when you sat down at the dinner table and told the wife, she really, really got pissed off about it? Oh man, I'm not even going to go there, man. I'm not going to, but I I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say pissed, you know, me, (laughs) my wife is my number one supporter. Yeah, I can picture sure. her being like, you know, hey, you know, we cooked them dinner, or I came <laughs> over, we did all this yeah, stuff the for them, and then, yeah. Well, you know, my my wife is my number one supporter, so she's definitely going to, uh, she's going to take my back on anything, that's for sure, man. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's hard, probably, when somebody decides to go somewhere else, of course, you know, uh, you're human, so you're disappointed, or... You know, but at the same time, you also, I, this is how I look at records and, and this has helped me just like it helps me with criticism and, and stuff like that. And building a shell is that I look at every record as a unique entity. So every record I do, I know that could be my only one with that band or my last one, you know, with Cannibal Corpse, you know, when I did the first record, when I did Kill, I looked at that record as a one-time chance, man. This is my shot. Either I, you know, blowing it is not an option. I need to make it be killer. No, no ifs or buts about it. And, um, but I didn't look at it past that, you know, because I knew, listen, they can, Cannibal Course can work with anybody they want. They can, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough that I got to work with them for this record, make the best of it. I can't worry about what happens past it. Next thing you know, I ended up doing the next one. And then I did the next, I did three records with them. So it was already, uh, a 300% improvement of what I thought was possible because I look at things that way. And, and it also helps me when, you know, if I treat every record individually, then it really helps my focus on that album. It also helps me, I don't know, if the band does this, I like in Cannibal Corpse, they decided to, to work with Mark Lewis. Well, it, you know, it helps me to really reflect and instead of feeling like, oh, this way or that way, all I do is feel like, man, I'm fortunate and grateful that I got to do three uh, badass Cannibal Course records. And, and I guess that's how I look at it rather than being upset. You know, I mean, that's not going to do anything. I mean, Mark does a fantastic job. He does things very different and they wanted to try uh, a different approach. And, and I certainly respect that and grateful for, for the three records I did get to do with him, you know. Yeah. Despite the fact that the new album doesn't sound as good, right? <laughs> no, man, the new album sounds great, man. You know, different strokes for different folks, man. You know, but it, but Mark Lewis is a pro. He does a fantastic job, no doubt about it. Well, dude, congratulations on Infernus, man. I think that work ethic has paid off for sure on this new this one, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, those uh, fingers will get cured here soon, and we get you on the road again. Yeah, man. Uh, they're hey, Ch- better. Chuck, I mean, can I ask Eric real quick before he goes, yeah. though? So, yep. Eric, is there any chance that you're going to need to get somebody to play guitar on your upcoming tours and you just sing? Well, man, that would, you know, God, man, my life would be uh, much easier when if I could just have somebody else play guitar and be a singer. That would, man, that'd be pretty cool, man. And schlep your gear. No, no, man, fuck that. If I'm the singer, I don't, I don't move gear, man. That's right. It's a microphone. Yeah. That's it. Uh, done and nah, done. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd own a microphone. Fuck it, man. Just, <laughs> I just go, you know, rogue or something. But, you know, like, 
to be a singer would be pretty cool. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, but uh, man, I'm a guitar player first, man. So I, I don't see that ever happening. Please don't don't hex me, man. I need to keep my. And, I'm and trying to keep is, my fucked up half ass fingers crossed, so I don't have to deal with that. But uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 as a self employed guy, right? When you have something, when you got to go to an emergency room, that's freaking scary because of the financial considerations. How did that all work out for you? And you know, now that you've kind of seen the inside of the U.S. health insurance and all that, from your point of view, what do you? What's your perspective on it? Um. Well. You know, luckily for me, my wife has a uh, has a job for a nonprofit organization that has amazing health insurance. So uh, I'm very fortunate in that. But before that, I I had man, I've been paying for health insurance since I was in my mid twenties, uh, just because you know it, it seemed like the smart thing to do. Uh, better have health insurance in case something happens. I mean, it just kind of I've always paid for health insurance so I've never um I don't know it it just I guess I'm I man I'm definitely not the brightest star in the sky but I just health insurance with all the traveling and everything I do it always just seemed like something I should invest uh whatever I pay a month you know to 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 have and I'm glad I have over the years cuz I've been in a van accident I've been I've had this accident I've had many accidents if I did not have health insurance I would have been totally fucked. Um, in this case, unfortunately, the place I went was out of territory, so uh, I had to pay a bunch of money uh, or out of network. Excuse me. Um, so, but at the end of the day, the one thing I always say to people is like, "Man, I, I I've always." paid for and now with Obamacare and stuff I don't I you know from what I'm told which I don't know because I don't have it but I'm told that Obamacare is actually more expensive than what they were paying before Obamacare so I don't know if if the approach on um, socialized kind of medicine has worked at this point I I don't know because I'm not a part of it you know uh, like I said I have health insurance but um, health insurance it's a you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing. I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, my old drummer, you know, lives in Canada. Um, obviously they have socialized medicine up there. And I, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of good aspects from it, but then he would, you know, he, Jade would also tell me that, you know, when you would need a surgery or something, you'd be on a waiting list for 16 months or 12 months. And so there's, I guess there's, there's flaws in every system, yeah. right? Nothing's, nothing's perfect, but, um, I think health insurance, man, you got to have health insurance in this day and age in some capacity or else you're setting yourself up for some serious issues down the road, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's scary. The, uh, Bruce Corbett from uh, Rigor Mortis uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, just went through heart surgery and, you know, he's basically having to do like a GoFundMe for it. Oh. It's like, you know, and it's like, oh, so man. Sad. You, you know. got something going on with like a, a roadie, uh, somebody that you've worked with uh, who's had a back uh, problems, uh, and there was a GoFundMe on uh, your Facebook, I think it was. Yeah, my sound guy, Anthony, uh, a friend of his, um, unbeknownst to Anthony, you know, which he was like not, he was, he never wanted to do that route, but his friend did it for him because he knew that he had back injury and he didn't have insurance. And, and yeah, he fell off a... Um, you know, he does sound and he does rigging and things like that but at home when he's not on tour and he fell on his back 
and uh, I think broke his couple vertebrae. He's doing he's doing better. He still can't lift, but he's you know he's doing okay. But he had thousands and thousands of dollars of medical bills. I do. I feel for um, man people, and I always tell people like shit. Health insurance is expensive, um, but if you don't have it, it's going to be a hell of a lot worse. So yeah. I've just kind of always, and maybe that's been instilled from from my from my own from my mother. You know, like from. I don't know how long I can remember. It's just like health insurance is important. It's important. It's kind of being instilled in me. Um, and somehow I've been a responsible adult about having health insurance. I have no idea how that's possible, <laughs> how I even turned into a responsible adult in the fucking first place. But, you know, health insurance, man, it, it's, it's when you don't have it, you'll wish you had it. Yeah. And when you have to pay for it, you wish you didn't have to pay for it. So it's like a, you know, conundrum, man. Yeah. But, uh, Hate Eternal Walking Wounded Tour 2015. Yeah, listen, man, the amount of wounds I've had over the years, man, I've, I've, you know, I've broken my leg. I've, I had a tumor in my leg when I was a kid. I had to get removed. I've broken fingers. I've broke my wrist. You know what I mean? I had the van accident. I cracked my vertebrae, and man, I've had tons of shit. And luckily for me, not, not, not going. Anytime I've thought about canceling my health insurance something it's almost like like karma man it's like you know something wakes you up and 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 says hey hold on to that you'll need it and sure enough i've had many things that i've needed it for so my suggestion to to all musicians is get the obamacare get the health insurance protect yourself <laughs> man that's all i can say damn straight well dude it's been great talking to you man it really has uh, thank you Eric. we could go a couple more hours i know really easy. good come on I got, I got like three more pages of questions here. <laughs> and then pe- people are going to be like, man, what the fuck? Why is this three hours, man? <laughs> yeah, but they're going to be like, why didn't he ask about this? Why didn't he ask about Why are you such a idiot you didn't ask about that? You know, that, that's that. See, you're going to get the criticism this time. Trust like, me, we do. Yeah, it always happens. They're going to be like, these fucking metal truck guys. Why didn't they ask him about this or that or this or that? I mean, what the fuck are they doing, man? That just means we'll have well, to have you back on, so. Well, oh, since... Since Zach Wild won't do it, when are you going to reunite Pantera? Oh no, man! No, 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 no! That's definitely <laughs> that's that's uh, you know. That's, I'm not even going on that conversation because every metal is, interview ever has to ask about when Pantera is going to unite, man. That's a, no, but, it has but to, Chuck, he he's played with Pantera, I, man. That's right. I've seen the video. Listen, I I I I did. I, I mean, I played I played Walk with Pantera. Um, which was, you know, obviously one of the most amazing experiences of my life. First of all, the fact that we toured with Pantera twice, uh, 16 weeks of touring um, in arenas. It was like, man, I, I, man, I felt like I was fucking Mark Wahlberg and Rockstar or some shit. You know, <laughs> like you, you, you're some kid in Jersey hoping to play shitholes and, 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 and any, any place that will have you and maybe scrub together a living someday you're playing death metal, you know, that's, that's your dream. And then one day you're playing fucking Nassau Coliseum and first union center and all these places opening for Pantera. It was, it was pretty much unreal, you know? Um, and to play with Dimebag, I mean, you know, it was fucking incredible. It's the most amazing experience of my life. And, uh, I think I totally, the Pantera thing's tough because, Man, I mean, Dimebag, man, he, he, man, he, he was such an integral part of, of Pantera, and his loss was, was, was such a tragedy. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if that, I don't, 
you know, obviously that's up to to Vinny and you know and Rex and and Phil. But I, I don't know. I don't think that I don't think a Pantera reunion will ever happen, man. I mean, in my opinion, I, I don't think so because the one guy that would complete that reunion is is, is not with us anymore, man. So I, I don't I don't see it ever happening, in my opinion. But who knows? I could be wrong. Uh, time will tell, I guess. I thought you were an optimist. Uh, yeah. Hey, realist, remember. Remember realist. Yeah, right. Not not the not I am a pretty positive guy these days, I guess. You know, when you're when you're doing everything you want to do since you're like you know, you're some fourteen, fifteen year old kid in your bedroom hoping, man, someday I'm gonna have a band and tour the world and maybe I'll have my own studio and re- maybe I can record my buddy band down the street, you know, that that's and then all of a sudden here I am twenty five years later and doing everything plus time 10 that I could have possibly owed for, man, I guess I don't have any room for complaints, do I? Always a 
to the Metal Sucks Podcast today. Clutch on the Metal Sucks podcast. Damn, that's a good song. A nice continuation of the last one. New record is called Psychic Warfare. That one is X-Ray Visions on the Metal Sucks podcast. Brought to you this week by Creative Live. Uh, if you go, if you want to learn how to record music, you might want to check out Creative Live. Why? Because um, they, they have all kinds of classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, 
top by the artists that you enjoy ever like all the time between the bear to me converge periphery dillinger just to name a few head over to creativelive.com slash audio if you want to learn more and watch some free previews man i am so looking forward to this new clutch album it's uh it's <laughs> it, it's dumb how i mean like it, it really is dumb i thought you always kept your like expectations like like down i know? do man i really do but after that last record yeah i i, I totally got a boner for this man i mean I'm, I'm 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 ready to rock yeah yeah i agree I, I just i just love the fact like i when we uh uh talked to uh the drummer it was just like uh uh dude as long as you guys don't ba- go back to doing the blues thing i'm pretty happy and, and see i don't even what, mind the blues thing i really don't <clears throat> so uh, i mean i enjoy those those records as well so I mean, I'm a fan of it all, honestly, but but seriously, like the rocking stuff is where it's at and it's where it's at for them, like live, you know, to watch them play live. And yeah, it's so good. And and also to know, like in my heart of hearts, that it was recorded just a couple miles from where I'm sitting right now. That's pretty kick ass, too. So that that, <laughs> that makes me happy inside, too. One day we got to get machine on. I know just we do love actually to pick his brain because dude, he's another one of those guys that I could talk to for hours on end because he is such an interesting cat he's been around and done so many cool things so yeah i think that might be uh in the wheelhouse here soon. and he's a doom fan so he doesn't do anything that doesn't take hours well and the other thing that he's been doing really like um that's pretty cool since he's been here he's been working with a lot of bands a lot of local bands and and helping people out like you know doing stuff from the ground level with some of these bands and that having that kind of experience help out locals is just priceless like you just don't get people to do that kind of thing anymore and he's one of those guys that's willing to like you know offer his time up to help people out and teach people how to do this stuff and it's really cool so yeah, yeah so if, really if, if machine doesn't live in your town you better spend your your time over at creative life well for, yeah exactly <laughs> or, or, or i mean you gotta think of it or same thing like rutan you know what i'm saying it's like th- th- yeah. look at some of the records that rutan put out you know it's like he's worked with a lot of different bands of different levels whether it's cannibal corpse on the top end you know what i'm saying it's like it's really cool to see guys that are legendary producers that are that are still willing to take on on newer and stuff that that they may not have that kind of experience but yeah creative live it does help you to go into the studio with some of that knowledge as you know if you don't have have any idea how to mic your drums it would help you know in 45 minutes of talking to rutan i wanted to ask him about a band from japan that he produced uh i can't remember the name of them um i think it was christian but i'm not positive but like like it, it's it's amazing to hear what that band did and then hear the new Hate Eternal because to me there seems to be a pretty direct connection and it's like you know when when I hear about producers and and musicians who are working with other musicians you know I I think that I think the immediately the immediate thought is wow how inspiring that must be for those musicians and and um, you know local fans that sort of thing but then I also got to think you know sometimes that inspiration must go the other way rubs you off. know yeah yeah that. where where you know somebody like machine is working with local bands to inspire these bands but sometimes those bands might be inspiring exactly shit. that sort of energy that's the psychic vampire thing man you 
you know, sucking yeah. some of the energy out of the young ones. Yeah, I get I'll, it. I'll, I'll, if I can uh, f- uh, find that album again, uh, I'll I'll tweet it out. So All right, cool. at Godless Speaks, I'll tweet it out. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter as well at Bearded Ape if you are looking for us. And of course, Metal Sucks. Uh, you can find the podcast all over the place, whether it's on iTunes. Uh, leave us a couple of stars. Tell us that we suck. You can also find us on Stitcher and the other podcasting apps. So make sure you find us and maybe tell a friend or two about it. Leave a review that tell that you know explains your love of Godless and why you want to have his babies. Uh, and you certainly can sort of uh, you can post that on Facebook too because uh, I do have a Facebook page and I, I'm putting like all the like clues as to like who we've interviewed and and we're going to be putting on the show and you know sort of stuff that we've got in the works and stuff. I'm putting that uh, out to the people on Facebook and there's longer conversations and stuff like that over there. So and if yeah, you ever want to hear uh, like straight metal music, I do a, a radio show as well that you can find at No Control Radio too. So yeah, so dude, it's I, all music. I listen to your Friday night show every single week because I get it off of. Uh, 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 sound SoundCloud, uh, yeah. SoundCloud yeah uh subscribe on SoundCloud no control radio man it's like even if you like because it's hard to like filter through all the freaking music that gets released every single week your Friday show is like the perfect way to do it. It's like well, I know two and, and a half hours. Yeah, I'm good. And I use this, uh, the, you know, this podcast is where I we talk opinions, we talk, you know, all this stuff. I try not to talk a whole bunch during my show on the radio. It's all about playing new music and playing, uh, you know, what what I love and what I like out there. So you need to check it out at No Control Radio as well. All right, till next week. I am Chuck. I'm Godless, and this is another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Yeah.